0: Good morning. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Pastor Dylan is just so kind. Like he said, my name is Jeff. I'm the Appleton Campus Pastor. So glad to be here with you this weekend, and it's an honor. Usually, we're up in Appleton speaking at the Marcus Valley Grand Cinema, but had the opportunity to come down here, speak to both campuses today, and so I'm really, really honored. If you want to grab your Bibles, we're going to be in the Old Testament book, 2 Kings. We're going to be in chapter 3, starting in verse 4, so you can begin to flip there at this time. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 4. But I do want to pause and just give honor where honor is due. I, it's such an amazing opportunity to be able to, to speak to you this morning. And I'm so grateful to Pastor Aaron for giving me that opportunity to share this weekend. And he's just doing an, an incredible job. I'm really thankful for who he is and his leadership. And so could we take a moment and just honor him right now and, and, and Miss Tammy. So thankful for them. So good to be with you this weekend and uh, we're gonna be in 2nd Kings chapter 3 like I said, let's dive into the word If you don't have your Bible, we'll be on the screens as well. Let's read together. It says this Now Misha, king of Moab, raised sheep and he had to pay the king of Israel a tribute of a hundred thousand lambs and the wool of a hundred thousand rams But after Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So At that time, King Joram set out from Samaria and mobilized all of Israel. He sent this message to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me and fight against Moab? I'll go with you, he replied. I am as you are. My people are are your people. My horses are your horses. By what route shall we attack, he asked. Through the desert of Edom, he answered. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals that were with them. What, exclaimed the king of Israel, has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? We're going to pause right there and continue our story in just a moment. But if you're taking notes this morning, I would encourage you to do that. I want you to write down the title of my sermon this weekend. The title of my sermon today is this, Dig During the Drought. Dig During the Drought the drought. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our church. We thank you for who you are, and I pray that you would speak through your word this weekend. God, I pray that you would convict and that you would encourage us to be more like your son, Jesus. We love you today, God. We're so thankful for what you're doing. God, we ask that we would leave here different than when we came in. We love you today. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. 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 Well, hey, me and my wife, uh, when we started in ministry, we started as Chi Alpha missionaries. And uh, if you don't know anything about Chi Alpha, basically it's college ministry for students at the university. And so we were missionaries to the University of Minnesota, and uh, it was just an incredible time in our life. And it was actually during our first year of marriage. And so missionaries, you have to raise your own support, meaning you have to raise your own salary. So that was smart in in the first year of marriage. Come on, (laughs) No tension at all, and, uh, and so it, it, was, it, was a, it was a step of faith, but we really believe, hey, God, you're calling us to this, so we're going to step into this faith act. And so we were traveling around, and, and we would go to support meetings, and I'm not kidding with you, they were horrible, okay? Like, I remember, like, the first one I we went to, I'm sweating profusely, like I will be in a few minutes, and, and I'm just nervous, and I'm, like, stumbling over my words, and, and I have this little slideshow on my computer, and it, like, never works, and, like, when it does work, there's, like, a 100 grammar errors because, like, I can't spell, you know what I mean? Like, it's, like, I, I deserve a trophy for not pronouncing things horribly. Like, I had hooked on phonics this week reading this in preparation, come on. And, and so I'm, like, I don't know, like, it seems struggling. We're, we're going through all these meetings, and, and it's, my wife, she's, like, the sweetest person on planet Earth. She would always end every meeting, and she would go... But you really don't have to give us any money and support us. I'm like, babe, no, they do. They they really do. Like, we have rent to pay. Come on, like, let let God use them in Jesus' name. You know, like, I'm like, please. And I'm telling you what, like, our first people that supported us, I really think the only reason they did is because I had really old socks on, and so they had big holes in them, and that's the only thing that tipped the needle for my parents. My mom's like, I guess we're going to support you if you're going to wear those socks, son, you know? Like, it was difficult. I'll never forget we were driving from Minnesota where we were living to Iowa to have like 10 support meetings with coffee or dinner that week. And, and we're talking and we're like, man, it just doesn't seem like this is going to be easy. It just seems like God called us to this thing, but it's not working out. Like, we're only 30% supported and we've been doing this for two months. I, I don't know if this is going to work out. Like, didn't God call us to this? This is so difficult. Then we began questioning, uh, can we do this? Is this sustainable? How, many, how often can we continue to work two or three jobs? seems like we're in the middle of a desert. seems like we're never going to get past the threshold to be able to be fully supported. Now, have you ever been there? Have you ever been like, I, I, God called me to this thing. Maybe Jesus asked you to step out in faith in something in your life, but it hasn't turned out the way you thought it would. Maybe you broke up in a relationship because you thought that, you know what, this person isn't leading me to follow Jesus and you you know, you know that God had someone else in mind for you, but you've been single for a few years now. Or maybe you left that job because God was calling you to something else, but you've been employed for unemployed for the last 9 months and it seems difficult like God's not going to bring the next thing. You just got married and you're trying to live your life honoring God but it just seems like you'll never be on the same page. Like, all you do is fight. Or you're committing your family to church and you're here every weekend, but you're like, it isn't changing anything tangibly during the week. I don't see any difference. Feels like you're in the middle of a desert. Feels like you're struggling. You're thirsty. You're tired. You don't know where to turn. And if that's you this morning, then I want to encourage you with one thing. That as you continue to walk in faith, it's going to be on the screen for you. If you want to write it down, you certainly can. But I believe God spoke this to me and I want to share it with you. God will use this desert that you're walking in. Not as a destination for destruction, but as a development in your faith. He'll use this desert that you feel like you're walking through this hard time, this thirst, this frustration. Not as a destination for destruction, but as a development for your faith. So you can continue to grow. See, that's where this, these three kings are. They're tired, they're thirsty, they have a huge army with them, they're going into battle but they're dehydrated and they don't see a way out. The king of Israel, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom come together and, and, and they're going after to fight the king of Moab because he didn't pay his taxes, basically. When King Ahab died, he saw it as an opportunity to get out and not have to send the wool coats over to Israel. So he decided, I'm not gonna pay and I'm gonna run. So he said, hey, come with me. We're gonna fight these guys. We gotta get this back. We're not gonna allow this to happen. So he goes after him. And what's interesting is the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, says to the king of Israel, he says, by which route do you want to take battle? By which route? He answers through the desert of Edom. is that interesting? We wanna walk through the desert to get to the battle. Now you would think that as they're going through a desert and they're with a big army that they would bring enough water in order to get through the battle, right? But apparently he didn't have enough preparation and so after just seven days of marching, they're out of water. They have nowhere to do. He says, what? God, what? Did you bring us out here to die? It doesn't seem like, like, why? He's uh, having a little preteen moment right now, you know what I mean? Like he's like, God, why? This is ridiculous. Why'd you bring us out here? Luckily, he had some good people around him. Check it out, verse 11. But Jehoshaphat asked this, Is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? There's a principle in there. The people that you surround yourself will either push you towards faith in God, or they will pull you from him. The people around you will either push you towards faith in following Jesus, or they'll pull you away from him. Point number one, if you're taking notes this morning, is this. Your crew helps develop your character. Your crew, the people you're hanging around with, the people you're, you're going to dinner with, the people you're, you're traveling with, you're vacationing with, you're, you're eating dinner with, they will help develop your character. And if those people are putting you in a position of destruction, then that's where you're going to end up. So that's why I think it's so important for us to find our community in the confines of a local church. Amen? Yeah. Through, through life groups. Do you go to life groups? Because life groups are such an important time where we can say, Hey, I'm going to find community in the local church. And I'm going to go to someone's house on a Tuesday night. And we're going to have dinner. And we're going to talk about Jesus. Or we're going to go through a book. Or or maybe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a greeter tag and I'm going to hang out with the host team on Sunday morning. Or maybe I'm going to serve in Life Kids or I'm going to serve in Life Church Youth. I want to put myself in the right path. I want to put myself in the position to go down a path of health. Because if I position myself in the wrong place, then it will lead to destruction. But if my crew around me, the people I'm surrounding myself with are people that are praising Jesus, that are following Jesus, that are going after him to reach people... Then you'll walk down a path of health. Your crew helps develop your character. So, in, this morning, I want to encourage you sign up for Life Track. Talk to someone with a lanyard on. Talk, talk to one of the pastors on staff. How can I help in Life Kids? How can I help in Life Church Youth? Can I start a life group? What, what can I do to create a community? I'm feeling this void. I'm feeling like my character is not developing. Maybe it's because you're alone. We were never meant to do this alone, we were meant to do it in community. Your crew helps develop your character. Let's keep reading. Verse 11, it says this. May inquire of the Lord. An officer of the king of Israel answered this. He said, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat went went with the king of Edom down to him. Elisha said to the king of Israel, why do you involve me? Go to the prophets of your father and mother. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to deliver us into the hands of Moab. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. But now bring me a harpist. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. And he said this, this is what the Lord says, I will fill this valley with pools of water. For this is what the Lord says. You will neither see wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water. And you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. Verse 18. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also deliver Moab into your hands. You will overthrow every fortified city, every major town. You will cut down every good tree, stop up the springs. You will ruin every good field with stones. The next morning, about the time for offering the sacrifice, there it was. Water was flowing from the direction of Edom. And the land was filled with water. If you go back up to the top, you know what I see at the beginning? Elisha, he's salty, okay? Like, he's frustrated, you know what I mean? Like, like the king of Israel and the king of Judah, and they're like together, these three kings, and they're desert. Like, what do we do? Jehoshaphat says, hey, let's go inquire of the Lord, because that's his crew. Helps develop his character, goes to see what the Lord has to say. So they walk over to Elisha. Now, Elisha's got a little bit of an attitude, okay? He's like a little salty. He's sitting there, and they come up, hey, what what, what does the Lord say? And Elisha, I love what he says. He said, go talk to the other prophets. I don't want to talk to you. And he says, no, 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 we're here to talk to you. We're inquiring of the Lord. And Elisha says, listen, if Jehoshaphat, if Joel wasn't here, I wouldn't even talk to you, because I hate you. You smell, you're ugly, I don't wanna to talk to you. Hey, Joe, how you doing? How's family, you doing good? You having a good life? Man, you look good. You get a new haircut, Shh, back up. I don't wanna to talk to you anymore. Your breast stinks. I mean, like, he's, he got some bitterness going on. You know what I mean? Like, go to counseling, Elisha. I mean, like, let it go. The reason he was so mad is because Joe Ram's parents, Ahab and Jezebel, persecuted his spiritual father, Elijah, relentlessly. So he's like, listen, You're gonna go against God all this time, and now you wanna hear inquire of the Lord? Nah. If it wasn't for the king of Judah, I wouldn't even talk to you. Luckily for you, he's here. Back up, he's here. Then he says this interesting thing Hey, bring me the harpist. Like, does that seem strange to anyone? I mean, they're in the middle of a desert, they're dehydrated, they're tired. Like, they don't have good shoes on. You know, like, that stuff comes to my mind. Like, they're walking through the desert in sandals. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus sandals. You know, I mean, come on, this is weird. And it's tiring. And it's like, why, what do you need a harpist for? He's like, hey, a person with skinny jeans on and a fedora hat, come on out here. You know? And, and he's like, come on, I need a harpist. Why? It doesn't make any sense. Because here's a principle that, that I see. The sound of worship the sound of music it leads us to the substance of faith you know when the mixtape plays not this one like the song that never ends that's going to be stuck in my head for the rest of eternity you know what i mean like it's a it's a small world just happened you know what i mean but like before the other ones if you've been here like when they play michael jackson it's like come on you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah it comes on and i'm like give me a white golf club right now you know what i mean like, it feels good. I'm like, woo! you know, I would do a moonwalk, but I might fall and that would be embarrassing. You know what I mean? My oblique region pulls me down. You know, like, it's just like, hey, moves our soul. Music moves our soul. It, it, it moves us to change our perspective. You know what it does for me? When, when I put some worship music on, it gets me out of my own head. And, and I'm not thinking about my issues, but, but I'm thinking about the song or I'm kind of changing my perspective. And number two is this, if you're taking notes, your perspective will put you in a position of faith. So if you're asking me, hey, Jeff, why did Elisha call the harpist out? Because he needed to change his perspective. Because his perspective right now, according to the king, is it's a desert, it's dry, you're going to die, this is the end. But Elisha, he says, no, bring me a harpist. Because I need to change my perspective. I'm going to ask Someone from the worship team, I will show you just kind of how this happens. Because I'm telling you, like, you get that mood music going, and this sermon's going to get ten times better. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like, I need to change my perspective. Because the sound of worship leads us to the substance of praise. The sound of worship. All right, you ready? I'm telling you. Come on, help me out. Ooh. It got better, didn't it? So all of a sudden, people are perking up. I'm going to listen to this guy a little bit more. He's wearing a purple shirt, and I don't like that because I'm a Packer fan, but whatever, you know. Don't judge me. I thought it made me look thin, okay? (laughs) Whoa. I'm going to change my perspective. Because the sound of praise of God leads us to the substance of faith. You You feel that when the worship team's up here, and they're leading us in worship. You're like, yeah, come on. I I can do this. I can tackle this week. I can get after this. But then it stops. It's like, oh, no. It's a little different. Because my perspective has changed now. I'm looking back at the desert. But then if I take a moment to play again, something changes. It's a little different. I'm going to change my perspective. Now, listen to me. It doesn't mean that your circumstance changes. It doesn't mean that if you're if you're having a hard time in your marriage, that if you pop in a worship CD, all of a sudden, your husband's gonna stop putting his towel on the floor after a shower. You know, I still do that. I'm sorry, babe. It doesn't mean that's gonna change. It doesn't mean that the situation at your job is gonna change. It doesn't mean that the situation with your kids is gonna change. But what it does mean is the circumstance that you're facing is no longer in the perspective of your own thoughts and your own knowledge. But now, your circumstance, your situation, your desert, your struggle is in the perspective of God's power. When you pop in a worship CD, maybe you grab that Life Church music CD, you pop it in, I'm going to spend some time in worship. Maybe you need to get a Spotify playlist, because that's the only way to go. No iTunes, you know, like Sound of Change. You play it. Because a lot of times, we look for an escape. Or is it just me? Like during the week, I'm like, oh man, I just, I'm tired. I just want to watch Netflix, you know? And then they, they changed it, you know? Like you used to give you like 20 seconds for the next episode. It's like four. So it's like, it starts again. Babe, sorry, I got to watch another one. You know what I mean? Like I want to escape. I, I'm struggling. I'm in the desert. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to look for an escape. Maybe you look for an escape in a bottle. Maybe you look for an escape in a pill to take away the pain. Maybe you look for an escape in a relationship that isn't healthy. Maybe you're looking for for an escape, for a change. Instead of doing that this week, what if you decided to worship? What if you said, I'm going to press pause on my struggle, I'm going to press pause on my work day, and I'm going to worship God. I'm going to worship God. Because the sound of the praise of worshiping God leads us to the substance of faith. Well, all of a sudden, because here's what Elisha knows. I'm sitting here, I'm looking at the desert, it's a struggle, but then all of a sudden, a few bars start happening on the pad. A few bars of the, of the old hymn starts happening, and I feel some faith rising. And now, he said, I want to inquire of the Lord. The sound of worship leads to the substance of faith. I would encourage you this week Spend some time worshiping. Spend some time, carve it out. Your struggle, you're walking, before you walk into that meeting, worship. Before you, you yell at your kids because they just won't listen, worship. Spend some time, God, change my perspective because I want it to be put in a position for faith. So I'm gonna shift from what's in front of me to who you are. Perspective doesn't mean it's going to change, but it means your situation and now in the perspective of God's power. So Elisha, harpist comes out. Holy Spirit starts flowing. He says, here, this is the word of the Lord. I'm going to fill this valley with pools of water, but you're not going to see any rain and you're not going to feel any wind on your face. And this is an easy thing for the Lord. The water will be filled But here's what I need you to do. Verse 16, and he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. What? Seems strange to to anyone else? Make this valley full of ditches? Why? Like, Elijah, are you just trying to make us work because you hate Joram? Like, you don't like him, so you just want to make us work? Like, I don't understand. Like, why would, you, why would we do this? This doesn't make any sense. I'm tired, I'm thirsty. I, I don't even know if I can continue on. Why would I dig a ditch? Why would I spend the only effort I have digging? Because it feels like I'm dry. It feels like I can't continue on. Why would I do that? Why would I dig a ditch when there isn't even rain in the forecast? I'll tell you why, because that's how faith works. See, James says in chapter 2, verse 26, that faith without works is dead. Now, I'm not saying that you're saved by your works because you're not. You're saved by the work of Jesus, that he came down from heaven to earth, that lived 33 years and had three years of public ministry, died on a cross, went down to hell, grabbed the keys, came up victorious for you and for me. That's why you're saved. And when you put your faith in Jesus, everything changes. But if you have faith, It should work. Because faith without works is dead. So what does God say through Elisha to the people? He says, hey, dig. Because we're always looking for a way out. We're always looking for that escape. I want a way out of this marriage because this person isn't treating me the way that I thought they should. I want a way out of this job because I'm not getting promoted or paid the way that I think I should. I want a way out of this situation. I want a way out of this unhealthy lifestyle. We're looking for an escape, but that's not how it works in the kingdom of God. God says, no, I'm not going to give you a way out. I'm going to give you a way through. Start digging. See, instead of a way out, God gives them a work order. He says, start digging some ditches. Start digging, even if you don't see the rain. Start digging, even if it seems hopeless. Start digging, even if you don't see any point, dig. Interesting. Why would we dig? Why would we dig before we see it? Number three, if you're taking notes, is this. Because preparation precedes your miracle. Preparation precedes your miracle. I don't know about you, but I would have much rather had God, if I'm them, just walk outside and hold my container and say, hey, God, why don't you send the rain? I'm just going to hold my container like this and it'll fill up. Or just, you know, like, miraculously fill up all of our water jugs, you know? It's not how God does it. God says, I'm going to provide the water. I love how he says it though. He says, man, it's easy for me. The verse literally says, this is an easy thing for the Lord to do is to provide the water. It's easy. I want you to have some encouragement this morning. If you walked in here and you got a bad report, you're going through a desert, you're going through a hard time, it's easy for the Lord to provide. He's so good. He can provide. He can provide healing. He can provide anything that you need. But you know what he's asking? And you know what the difficult thing is? To dig. It's hard to dig. It's hard to dig when you don't see it. It's hard to dig when you don't see a point. Because I'm tired. You're tired. Life's busy. How can I dig? Preparation, procedure, miracle. I was thinking about this this week, as I was writing this sermon, an interesting thing popped into my head that I had never really thought about before as I was reading this. But do you think that they, how, how do you think they dug the ditches? Because they said, okay, Elijah, we're gonna start digging. So they begin to dig and they dig all night. But how do you think they did it? I kind of think they did it in teams, maybe and so they dug a ditch and then they said okay this is our team and we're gonna get water from this ditch and then maybe over here there's a different team and they're gonna grab their water from this ditch and it's interesting do you think that there was any teams that just dug like maybe six inches and then there were some other teams that just decided we're gonna dig 10 feet we're not gonna dig one ditch we're gonna dig 20 all the way until the night or the sun rises and the water starts flowing Because there's a difference between those two things. The difference is this, the depth and the amount that you dig is the capacity for your miracle. The depth of what you dig in your life, dig in faith, is the capacity for your miracle. So sometimes I think we're living from miracle to miracle because we're only digging enough drink for today. I'm thirsty, so I'm just gonna dig about three inches. So I just get one drink and I'm refreshed. Or I'm gonna come to church on Sunday and I'll be refreshed today, but then next Sunday I'm gonna have to come back. Because it's not an everyday faith. The depth and the amount that you dig is a capacity for your miracle. Because the question isn't if God's gonna bring the flood, because He will, because it's easy for Him. The question is will you dig? How deep will you dig? That's the question. Because preparation precedes your miracle. I know that some of you walked in this room today with struggles and you're in a desert. But I want to ask you to dig during the drought. To start digging. And if you're like, what is digging anyways? Like, okay, you're talking, what, what does that mean? Here's what I think it means, it means creating space in your life for God to move. It's creating space in areas of your life so that God can move and He can send the miracle. So you're creating space in your work schedule so you can worship. You carve space out in your busy schedule so you can go to a life group because you want to grow in Jesus. You carve space out on Sunday or on Saturday night or on Wednesday night because you want to spend time serving the community. You create space in your finances by saying, God, I'm going to take you at your word and I'm going to bring 10% of my income because I know that you can do more with 90 than I can do with 100. I'm creating space. Maybe you're making some space in your bag that you carry, maybe a backpack, maybe you put it in your van, and you got some Bibles in there. you got some invite cards. You're like, I'm just going to dig a ditch of faith that maybe someone's going to ask me about Jesus and I can give them a Bible today. Or maybe someone's gonna ask me, what church do I go to anyways? And I can give an invitation. Why don't you come join me? Come sit with me. We'd love to have you. Be a great time to come and just, why don't you hang out? Be fun. We're creating space in our life for God to move. But it takes faith to dig. Because we're busy. Time's tight. Finances are tight. But I wanna encourage you to dig during the drought. Create some space, create some space to worship. Here's what happened the rest of the story. They dug and they dug deep. And that morning, the water started flowing and what happened was God created a flash flood and a nearby mountain and the flood came through and it filled up all of their ditches. And so they were refreshed, they had a drink, they were not dehydrated anymore because God brought the flood. At that same time, the people that they were battling They looked over Moab looked over and they saw the water as a mirage of blood so they thought that the three kings began to battle each other so get this God not only sent the flood but at that time Moab starts charging in just as Israel Judah and Edom are refreshed and God sent the victory he didn't just send the flood he didn't just send the water he sent the victory because they defeated that army they chased them back. Everything God said came true because they dug. During the drought, before the rain, before they saw it happen, they stepped out in faith and they dug. They prepared for the rain. If you came to service this morning and you felt like you wanted to give up, you felt like you don't know if you can get through, I want to encourage you If you have the faith to dig during the drought, God will use this desert that you're feeling not as a destination for destruction, but as a development for your faith. And he'll use it. And then all of a sudden, the next time you walk through a desert, you'll have a shovel in your hand. And you're like, what am I doing? You're digging. Because you know he's going to come through. Because it's easy for him because he's so big and he's so strong and he's so good. The flood, he's got that. The digging, that's up to you, it's up to me. I wanna encourage you, dig in every area of your life. Dig faith in your marriage, dig faith in your finances, dig faith in your children, dig faith in your community, dig faith anywhere and everywhere. You should have as many ditches around you as you can, because you're just prepping for God to bring the rain, you're prepping for Him to bring the flood, so not be a destination for destruction, but it will be a development for your faith. I'm going to ask everyone, would you stand with me at this time? We're going to end a little bit differently today, so I want you to hang on with me. What's going to happen is I'm going to ask you a question. And then I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to go into a time of worship. And we're going to just respond to what God has started in our hearts. So I'm going to ask every head bowed and eye closed all across this room at this time. And if that's you today, you came to church, and you're in a desert, you're in a struggle, you're in a pain, and you don't know how to get through. And you say, Today, this morning, I'm going to start digging just a moment, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand as a sign of faith. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. as a sign of faith saying, God, I want to start digging in my life. God, I want to believe you for more. God, I want to dig during the drought. It doesn't feel like I have anything left, but I'm still going to dig. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up in the air as a sign to say, God, I'm going after you today. One, two, three. Shoot them up all over this room. Come on. Keep them up for a moment, praise God, keep him up. Come on, I'm gonna go after you, God. Come on, let faith rise in this room. I'm gonna go after you, come on. You can put those hands down. Father, I pray right now for each and every per- person who just made that step of faith. Said, I'm gonna go after you with everything I have, God. I'm gonna go after you, I'm gonna start digging in my life. I'm gonna step into what you have. I'm gonna dig during the drought. I'm going to dig in my marriage. I'm going to dig in my faith. I'm going to dig in my finances. I'm going to dig for my children. I'm going to go after everything. Because I know you're good. And I know you'll send the rain. You're so good, God. I just want to step out in faith. God, I pray that you would encourage them this morning. God, that you would lift them up. Holy Spirit, that you would comfort them as they step out. As they step out this week. God, that they would go after you with everything that they have faith would rise in this room. In Jesus' name, Amen.